Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Traditionally, we've made a distinction between art and commerce. We go so far as to suggest it's anatomical, that creativity and the ability to conduct business are actually different sides of our brain. If you stroll around the art galleries in New Orleans, you'll find that if the neurological theory has any basis, in fact, it's not true for everyone. A number of artists, including the late George Rodrigue, Alex Beard, Amanda Talley, Haruni, Blake Boyd, and others, sell their own and other artists' work in galleries they own and operate. Ali Berger is an artist and the owner of not one, but three outlets, Gallery Berger, Coco Alley Boutique in the French Quarter and Coco Alley Vegan Shop in the Lower Garden District. Alley, welcome down to lunch. Thank you. It's great to be here. Another New Orleans art form where the creator is becoming the business person is the restaurant business. Most visibly, Susan Spicer, Donald Link, John Besh, and Emeril Lagasse are chefs who also wear a business hat. Before going out on their own, many of New Orleans' most visible chefs spent time in the kitchen here at Commander's Palace. Since 2002, the executive chef at Commander's has been Tori McPhail. Does Chef Tori have any business ventures under his chef's hat? Well, we're about to find out. Tori, welcome out to lunch. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Allie, when a gallery represents a visual artist and they sell a painting, the gallery typically takes 50% of the sale price. By way of comparison, in the literary world, a writer's agent typically takes 10%, and in the music world, the home of finding inventive ways to rip off artists, uh, managers and booking agents typically take no more than 25% at the high end. Is this extraordinarily high commission in the visual art world the reason artists opt to open their own galleries? Is there also an element of control uh, that you're not dependent on a third party for your income? Uh, you know, I think there's an element of control for sure um, in that you can control your own branding and your own, um, the way that you put your own uh, product out into the world. But um, I think one of, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest differences is that when opening your own shop, you also get to regularly and almost every day interact with customers. And that really influences the artwork that you produce. Oh, I so know when I go to a gallery, if, if this person tells me that this is mine, it changes the entire discussion. Exactly. Every time I work in the gallery, people are always like, is this your art? And then um, two of my sisters actually work at the shops with me, and they always say, yeah, everyone always asks, are you the artist? And um, so people really, I think they want to have that connection. And then for me as an artist, I really enjoy having that connection because I know when I've had my work shown in other galleries, 
I don't mind the 40 or 50% commission at all because I know there's a lot of overhead with galleries um, and it makes sense to me, but there's this distance that I have where I, if someone buys my piece, I don't know why they've bought the piece. I, I don't get to talk to them about their personal connection with the piece. Um, so it's really nice having the gallery because when people buy it, they, I can talk with them and develop a relationship and know why they're responding to a piece and then it helps me be a better artist and more um, interactive with the people who are buying my art. But you uh, probably didn't come to the table with a, a lot of business skills, so how did you do it? Uh, you know, I guess I've always, um, I've always loved research. I was in school for a long time. Um, I did two masters and a doctoral degree. What? So <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, um, <laughs> so I've always, um, I've always loved taking on challenges. So I think when, um, when I was studying, I was studying communications and, uh, and I did some journalism and linguistics, but then it was always communications and, um, and how to connect with people. And that's been, uh, I think I've really used that, or that's been really helpful in, in a business sense. Um, so the rest of it has just been sort of figuring out the numbers, and um, and that that in itself has been a challenge. What about just time, Allie? I mean, you interacting with customers gives you a lot of satisfaction, but you've also got to lock yourself up and come <laughs> up with art, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think um, I think social media has been really good for that because it's almost like. I mean, people say that social media is a 24-hour gig, and it really is, but that also means that you can sort of manage your own time. So I'm not in the, the gallery um, on Royal Street is open from 10 to 7. Um, so if I, if I have a shift to the gallery, I need to be there from 10 to 7. Whereas if people are reaching out to me on social media, you know, I can take a few hours, judge what they're asking me, and then kind of craft a response to them and get back to them on my own time, which sometimes is like three or four on in the On the other hand, if you own the place, so if you're late for work, you can, <laughs> can't get fired. So that's good. They, uh, now, Tori, it used to be that singers, movie stars, and even football coaches put their names on restaurants to give the place star power and a brand. Now chefs are the celebrities and put their own brand on restaurants, although in one way that sounds more honest, uh, what has this shift done for the life of a person who might be a talented chef <coughs> but not comfortable in the role as the front person of a business? Has the business changed from the point of view of the chef? Or has it always been personality-driven and we just didn't know anything about it before the cooking channel came along? <laughs> well, I think, I think you make really good points. You know, certainly in <coughs> my, uh, my time as an adult, the restaurant world has really kind of flipped 180. It used to be that... Um, you know, if you really wanted to be the face of a brand, you'd have to open up your own restaurant. And these days, chefs um, have really kind of um, driven and really become the, the face of other brands. You know, if, if you look at Commander's Palace, I've been the chef here now for 14 years, and an employee here on and off for the last 22. And, you know, the Brandon family is huge, huge part of New Orleans for great hospitality and running fantastic restaurants. But, you know, if you look back and say, hey, Paul Perdome, what did Emerald bring to the table? Jamie Shannon, now myself. I mean, you kind of figure, man, it's basically like a, a chef per decade. And you look back at the dining culture of New Orleans, I mean, those are almost household names. Uh, excluding myself, because I don't really take myself that seriously. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's interesting to see how life has really changed, and certainly I'm thrilled to be um, associated with Commanders and being very, very good friends with the Brandons for as long as I have. One of the reasons we have you on today is uh, yeah, is sure. that you've ventured out into your own business here. Can you tell us about 
Yeah, so, um, uh, so actually sitting on the table in front of us, I know y'all can't see it at home, but there's uh, four new products, and I'm very good friends with Donnie Rouse and Allie and the rest of the folks at, um, at Rouse's. And so we have the three sauces. So is the wide receiver for the Saints, right? Doesn't he work there? Um, Terrence Cooks? Yeah, yes, I'm pretty exactly sure. Right. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so he and I are good friends as well. But it's interesting. You know, the, obviously, the Brendans and I are great friends. And they said, look, Tori, anything we can do for you, you know, if we want to put your name out there and do your thing, great. We got you, whatever we can do. And so the folks at Rouse's says, hey, look, you know, let's, anything you want to produce, let's get it in our grocery stores and let's go for it. So um, I did not want to produce a Louisiana red sauce because right. you walk down the, any grocery store right. and you see the Tabascos, the Crystals, the, any kind of pick a pepper or whatever hot sauce you want. These are more of what I cook at home and kind of more of my real lifestyle outside the walls of Commander. So, so we got three different what looks to be uh, dressings, right? Yeah, so these are, um, these are all gluten-free. They're all very healthy. There's no extra fat added. Okay, I eat very, very healthy at home. Uh, but this is more like good eating. You can use these as marinade. You can use them as a salad dressing. You can use it as a sauce. And you can use it as a glaze as you baste on the barbecue. Uh, so really healthy for you. And all of us want options to be able to have better nutrition and better health um, throughout the year. So this and is you're a on great the label, your picture. Yeah. yeah and still, I walk through the, the grocery stores. I'm like, golly, I get beat red. Like, <laughs> who, who is that guy staring back That's at me? That's the man on the label. That's crazy. Son, there's a, wow. <laughs> yeah. So you can also find more information about this and order these online at ToriMcPhail.com. And uh, are they only distributed at Rouse's at this point? Right now we have an exclusive deal. I mean, Rouse's has been fantastic to yeah. me. But we have some cool stuff happening with them. And I really feel very comfortable with my name uh, behind what's going on. Not just with this, but um, we've done promotional stuff with them for years and years now. And um, just fantastic food, great family, and they're just hardworking people who really do it right. And I respect that. Now, if you, uh, on these kind of things, I guess you, you had, I guess this is the guy at Holy Cross that's helped you, but. Yeah, Daryl Holiday. Yeah, Daryl, I mean, you must know, for instance, like, what is the shelf life on things like this? I mean, how do you find yeah. out all <laughs> this? Well, he's a, he's a food scientist, right? So he's really dialed into, um, uh, really what's happening in the, in the food world. But these are um, shelf-stable for at least a year. We say, hey, look, for a caution thing, let's say 365 days, although they're pH-stable, so they'd go much, much longer than that. Uh, however, with the, with the pace on which we're rolling through product, it's not even remotely an issue. And even with the, the rum vinegar you see sitting next to you. Yeah. Um, so I'm good friends with, um, you know, Michalopagus, the artist, right? Artist, right? Yep. So and he's, he's got the rum company, right? Yeah, so I'm good friends with... Um, with he and also Mike Kelly and, s and uh, a couple of other guys at Old New Orleans Rum. And so these guys um, uh, sell me what's left in the bottom of the stills when they go to produce um, really good liquor, <laughs> right? And so it still has a percentage of alcohol in it. So I actually had a rum mother that was created right here in Ella Brennan's backyard from here about 30 feet away on the outside of the wine cellar just right here where we're at. And um, so it was, it was um, invented and put together uh, December 8th of 2014. So this mother um, has the signature footprint of Commander's Palace. It's the only mother like it. It's the only one in the world. And so when I add this mother into anything that's got alcohol in it, it produces a signature, one-of-a-kind, only created um, once. I've never heard that term either. Yeah. The I mother. Said, yeah. Do you feel like you compete with like the hidden valleys of the world? Uh, it's well, hidden. I, I've never seen I, the I, valley I th actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think that's eventually the goal. You know, certainly if you see this on the shelf, it is apples to oranges versus any other sauce that you get. But the idea for me is, man, I want to produce something that has never been done before, something that's healthy for you. It really kind of tells my story more than some commercialized, mass-produced product. And um, so really this is just kind of a snapshot on what's going on. Now, you've taken you've, you're the chef here, and then you have this line, and then Allie, mm -hmm. we think of you with art, but you've got a clothing line as mm -hmm. well. Uh, how did that happen, and how different is it than art? <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not 
that much different. Um, because I notice now art, so much of art is is uh, digital or depends on having a digital copy because if you're doing prints or you're doing giclés, um, you need to have that digitized version of your artwork. So my first passion will always be um, painting straight onto the canvas and then having that be a finished piece as it is. But, um, but now when you make a print out of it, you need to digitize that in order to make the prints. Um, so I, now having that digital copy, um, it was easier, it was more intuitive to go into design as well. So things like um, it's doing the clothing design is more in line with sort of a graphic design. Um, but since I had sort of been forced to learn all these uh, digital and learn things in Photoshop and all that, I started um, getting more into the design and then it sort of just uh, evolved into clothing where a lot of people would come in and they say, a lot of my work features animals and you know, sort of cute things. Which is just where I was going to What is Allie's <laughs> wish dogs? Oh, yeah. The, um, so the, the wish dogs, um, they're these little desktop uh, animals and or animal figurines. <laughs> and they have a little hole in their head. So you write your wish oh, down on a piece okay, of paper. It's good figurines. <laughs> <laughs> you write your wish on a piece of paper and you roll the paper up into a little tube and stick it in their head. And then you light your wish on fire. And when your wish burns, they blow smoke out their mouths and make your wishes come true. That's wow, it's, that I, I is know, amazing. I know, it really works. It really works. <laughs> Jeez, that's, like New Year's resolutions, things like yeah, that would no, be. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Birthdays, um, we sell a lot over the holidays. So it's been, I mean, it's been really busy. And at the moment, um, we have the dogs and the foxes manufactured, but we have about, I think, almost 70 other types of animals, like wish animals on the website, which is wishdogandfriends.com. And, um, and I hand make all the other ones. So we've been getting these orders. And we have a sales rep, so they're in boutiques around the country. Um, we've been getting all these orders, and I swear I've been staying up like all night making <laughs> these little animals <laughs> out of clay. <laughs> now, what's wow. your track record on these wishes? Do you know? Or oh, things yeah. That well, my mom says 99%. Speaking about, where, are, are, are you from here, by the way? Um, my dad was born um, up over on Jefferson, so uptown, and then my mom's from Pennsylvania. So we, um, I was born up in D.C. and then spent a lot of time here as a kid growing up in Mardi Gras and everything. So um, I moved back here full time, I guess, about six or seven years ago. And you uh, brought all your sisters with you? Yes. Well, they're slowly, like I'm train slowly load? recruiting them. That's yeah, right. a train <laughs> load. <laughs> I have somebody to work the galleries. Absolutely. Exactly. Yes. I they, uh, need, we need it's the way employees. we did agriculture for years, too. Have a lot of children. <laughs> they? Now it's the part of the show we call the checklist. And, and it's where we take a few minutes and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with Allie. Um, Allie, what book are you reading now? What's okay. on your end table, bedside table? Mm, well, I've always read for pleasure, but um, lately I've been reading a book. It is 850 pages, and it is the um, LSAT preparation book. Oh. <laughs> that is a page turner. That <laughs> it is. is uh, it is. Oh, There's I'm not going to tell you how it turns out. And yeah, no. <laughs> no, no spoilers. And <laughs> 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 yeah. you are doing this. Uh, <laughs> Fun? <laughs> yeah. right. I'm a little concerned now. It's, there's fun. only one correct answer here. I so know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, one of the most notable things in my career so far in the past year or so um, has involved intellectual property in that um, someone copied a version of what I use as my logo and then posted it on Tumblr and twi Twitter and then Taylor Swift tweeted it and posted it on her Tumblr, her Instagram, and her Facebook to over, I think she has like 70 million Whoa. Facebook fans alone. So that was also like, you know, 
60 million Instagram. Um, I don't know the, I mean, I know the exact numbers on yeah. paper, but off the top of my head, it is millions and millions of people. But it was a pirated copy. So obviously it was a mistake, but at the same time, this pirated copy of my work with someone else's name signed to it that I use to represent my business. And it's, it, it's a um, recognizable uh, design. It's a fox, it's a red fox with a crown on it that's, um, that was copied basically line for line. And so Taylor Swift had shared it out and it got reposted and downloaded and basically went viral. But at the same time, there was nothing linking it back to me. Um, I had no credit, no compensation, no n like no nothing. I would and just so get angry, but you got angry and went to law school. <laughs> that's the difference yeah. part. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, it's it's tough because at the same time, I mean, I think it's easy to get angry and that's that's a it's a valid response, but it's also there's so much sharing going on right now that you have to wonder, well, what's valid in terms of social media and then what what do we owe other artists and what do we owe um, what do we owe society in recognizing artists for their work? Um, and so I think, you know, in going to law school, I'd like to be able to not just help my own business, but I, w when this happened, people help who knew artists, that it was mine, uh, yeah. yeah, had come to me and said, oh, you know, something, I've always worried about this happening, or, you know, I had something similar happen with, you know, in my hometown, someone stole this and then got an award for it, and they won, you know, $5,000, and... Um, so I, I ended up connecting with a lot of other artists who had similar um, worries and wanted to find out how to protect themselves from something like this. That is impressive. They not Tori, employee turnover is expensive. Uh, yeah. How do you retain people? I, and I think, it, particularly in the restaurant business, it's kind of notorious. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a little uh, different than what we're talking about. But, but really, the restaurant business, it's people business. It really is, and we just happen to be serving food. <laughs> so so if, if anybody sees what's happening in the national news with what's happening with restaurants all across the country, um, people will, will recognize very soon that um, there's a huge shortage of cooks uh, from coast to coast. And so even like La Bernadette and Danielle and uh, all these gr fantastic restaurants across the country, we're all scrambling for cooks. And there's just, um, even, if, even since Katrina, there's probably double the amount of restaurants here in New Orleans. And I'm not talking like Subway or fast food, right. like, like really good family-owned and operated um, great restaurants, but there's just huge need for great cooks. So the deal is, you know, I mean, it, it's fine to be able to have sauces and it's good for me to be able to do like national TV shows and all that. But at the end of the day, big thing for us with empo employee retention is just really being a good human and a great individual to try to teach people out of the neighborhood everything we possibly can. You know what I mean? Um, so you don't have to spend 80 grand in culinary school if you want to be a great chef. I mean, even for me, I went through a small community college in, in Seattle. Um, but if you really want to be great, you got to start working for, uh, for really, really great people. And so for us, it's really been a, a, a positive focus to really um, reinvest ourselves with the people that help run our restaurants. And what's the uh, the progress when someone gets hired? What are the, they move from one step to the other? Uh, yeah, so there's certainly definitely a chain of command. Uh, Commanders is a big uh, place. There's myself, then I've got 11 sous chefs below me. And when we're fully staffed, we'll have 46 hourly cooks. Okay, right now I've got 35. Okay, so we're missing like 25% of the staff. Whoa. And it, you go to every single other restaurant in, um, in New Orleans or across the Gulf Coast is exactly the same way. So really it's, it's the land of opportunity for people that want to come in, work hard, learn a great craft, and do something that they're really proud of. And I just don't know if there's another um, craft or another um, career out there that really has that kind of effect on people. I mean, what else do you do three times a day to make money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's got to eat, right? I like you have the, the commander's advantage, though. You can't, like, 
you know, meet girls at a party and say, you know, I'm the chef at Denny's. <laughs> you know, it's how they, you do a lot better. It, it's a little different, yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely worked for me in the past. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ali Berger, Tori McPhail, as a result of this conversation, uh, I'm pretty skeptical about that right brain, left brain theory of art versus commerce. Both of you are artists and business people who are successful at negotiating both spheres of existence with apparent equal ease of access to both cerebral hemispheres. Tori, I know that you have to get back to the kitchen, but before you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to thank you and your staff for all the wonderful meals you create for us and our guests every week. Half the reason people agree to come on the show is for lunch at Commander's, and probably Allie is, is one of them. Uh, thank you both uh, to Allie and Tori for taking the time to join me on Out to Lunch. Thank you. It's absolutely my pleasure. Anytime, my friends. Great to see you. <laughs> <laughs> my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Allie Berger, artist and owner of Coco Alley Boutique, Gallery Berger, and Coco Alley Vegan Shop, and Chef Tori McPhail, the executive chef at Commander's Palace Restaurant. You can find out more about Allie's adventures in art and Tori's Epicurean exploits by uh, following the links on our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's new record, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforman.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, wwno.org and itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and 30 North Investments.